1: And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com.
2: No purchase necessary. VTW group void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions.
1: 18 plus. Welcome, friends. It's the Movie Bill Podcast. The movie Bill Podcast. Enjoy the show. Zachy and Brian
3: are talking about the movie. The movie Bill Podcast on the radio.
4: Welcome to A Movie Film Commentary Track. My name is Zaki Hassan, and I'm here with Brian Hall. Hey, how's it going, Zaki? Oh, I'm I'm doing very well. You know, uh, I have to say, uh, we, we have this uh, commentary selected, and, uh, you know, uh, I thought I was going to be in a dark place <sighs> when I was watching it. But, you know, but? I, I would say I, I was feeling uh, pretty pretty light. No, I don't know.
2: <laughs> I was feeling pretty world yeah that's <laughs> not that's dark better. but world yeah, yeah. And the... that might be better uh yeah yeah not to not to reveal all my cards but uh you know i'm finding as we go back and revisit these marvel films that i don't re-watch a lot i'm like yeah they're, they're all right <laughs> 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 you know um we'll get into it i'm kind of looking forward to getting into this one it's kind of short too but uh I, this was the first one i remember seeing in the theater and going oh i don't think i like this Mm -hmm. so it's it was i'm i enjoyed the opportunity to go back and uh check it out again
4: i i think what i remember most about this movie is your reaction to it really i think so because because i was definitely when i saw it i was like "Eh, it's all right and yeah and i remember you and sean uh this, this is when sean was hosting with us you you know you you sort of ganged up on it sean was holding it by the arms
2: you were kind of sucker punching it. (laughs) I, you know, I actually remembered specifically my problems with it. I I was just telling you off mic. I couldn't believe how many details I remembered about this movie. And so I was sort of like, all right, let's check out that moment again and see if I still feel the same way. And so, yeah, it'll be interesting to to go through this with you because I can't believe how much I remembered. And uh, it was interesting to go back.
4: Well, Thor, the Dark World is the subject of our commentary, in case you haven't gleaned already from this conversation. I realize we might have buried the lead a little bit. Uh, uh, or, or if you don't know already from looking at the label of this episode right, in your right. podcast reader. But uh, that film celebrates its 10th anniversary, uh, right around the time we are recording this. And uh, as it happens, another Marvel film is about uh, due to drop as we are recording this. So you might say, Brian, you might say, Oh and also the season finale of Loki is about to happen as we are as we're recording this.
2: So Brian, wait for it. It's kind of a convergence.
3: <laughs>
2: nice. Nice. <laughs> that's that's so perfect, Teki. I'm going to applaud you because it only applies to this movie. It's not just some <laughs> catch-all Marvel joke. Per- per- perfection. Steve Jobs' uh, meme perfection. 10th anniversary
4: the marvels loki season 2 boom here we go we're about to watch thor the dark world we're about to take a break but if you want to queue it up you can do that right now and we will be back right after this
0: with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere
1: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. DDW group void We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And we
4: are back and ready to go. Brian, you queued up? I'm all queued up. Okay, so we are watching the one and only theatrical cut of Thor The Dark World from 2013. We will do the usual thing where I will count to three and then we will hit play. And uh, let's do it. Brian? All right. One, two, three. And here's here's the old, tiny Marvel intro music.
2: Yes, by Brian Tyler.
4: Brian Tyler. Right. This might have been the first film to have that music, if I'm not mistaken. I
2: think so. I think I have that written down.
4: Yeah, Brian Tyler also did the score for this film. And it's a terrific score, I should say. It is. Uh, uh, Brian Tyler's a great composer, but I really mm-hmm. like that some of the thematic material they came up with for this one.
2: You know, I worked on the movie Now You See Me, and he was the composer for that. And I got to go to his studio and wow. kind of watch him do his thing. And I was really impressed with him. Um, I already was from his stuff, but just with that movie specifically, I think what I noticed about him was, you know, I, I, I won't speak for you, but for myself, you know, we grew up in the sort of John Williams of it all. And that's to mm-hmm. me what like a, a robust score with personality sounds like and then over time you know even still with the orchestras just yeah. the, the voice of what modern scores sound like changes and i haven't always gone along with that or just found you know that i've loved it as much as the scores i grew up with yeah but what i loved about brian tyler particularly and now you see me i noticed was he had that more modern sound to it but there was still like a theme you know yeah, like right. there was still these really catchy themes that like would hook you throughout the film and i i was like yeah no this this is good and, and so it really uh made me love brian tyler uh yeah made me a fan is what i'm trying to say so yeah i was happy to see that this was him
4: so this intro sequence uh helped along by uh anthony hopkins who i feel like is doing a lot of the heavy lifting just with his mm-hmm. narration yeah um it, it's it's a lot of hugger mugger it doesn't i mean i i think I, I was comparing this to the intro sequence of the first Thor. Yeah. And, and obviously this is trying to evoke that. But I think this is the central problem with the film is we have the two essential elements. Number one, the ether. Number two, Malachith. And the ether doesn't make much sense. And Malekith
2: uh, does not arouse much interest. You know, it is so funny you say that. I guess and not surprising. But I actually wrote down <laughs> bad guys. But why, though? because it's i i really was like i want to pay attention to this i really really want to try to give this movie a fair shake and i was like okay i get it these people want to return time to a time they understand or whatever but it's just vague enough that it's nothing you can actually wrap your head around or Mm -hmm. understand why why they want it what does that even mean he's like talking about the dark times and so i'm you know, sort of picturing the creation story where it's like there was darkness and then there was light. And so, if they want to go back to, you know, so I need more detail. Like, what do you mean darkness? Like, yeah. what what good does that do you? Like, what does that restore to you? What does that, you know? And I was like, man, just I felt that throughout this whole thing. Just a few more details would really fill this thing in, and I think raise the stakes for everybody all around. But it it all remains kind of vague, and you're just kind of happy to hang out with your characters. But I wish wish there's a little more to 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 grab onto with this, you know? It's starting with this.
4: Th- that really is, is, you know, in in terms of Thor the Dark World, I think that's almost the, the best way of describing it is like you squint past the 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 central conflict and you just sort of appreciate, oh, well here's Thor again, we like Thor and here's, you know, Volstagg mm-hmm. and Fandral and we like them and you know, and kind of we go on this little little zip zooms out journey. But uh uh, th- I mean Christopher Eccleston is a good actor and by all accounts uh you know there was a lot more of his stuff shot that didn't make it into the finished mm. f- the finished product which I fully believe
2: yeah I suppose that's not surprising
4: you know Now uh, all of this stuff yeah. with Loki we should mention uh this was these were late additions mm. after the success of the Avengers and sort of everybody loved Loki in the Avengers and so they, they went back and added in a whole bunch more because the original idea was that Loki wouldn't have entered the story until basic, until Thor needs to break him out.
2: Oh, so he would just be in his cell.
4: Yeah, exactly. I see. And, and I'm, I'm, you know, objectively the movie is improved whenever Tom Hiddleston is on screen.
2: I was going to say it's a wise pivot. I mean, you, yeah. you you examine the reaction and you react to it.
4: Yeah, I, I, all the, all of this stuff with, with um, Loki specifically, uh, uh, you know, digging into the relationship with his mom and 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 the, mm-hmm. the scenes with Hopkins. I mean, it's funny because because I think Anthony Hopkins has spoken and generally kind of like, yeah, and I did those comic movies. And, you know, I don't know that he has sure. a great deal of affinity, but but let's assume that Anthony Hopkins is bored while playing Odin. Mm-hmm. E- even bored Anthony
2: Hopkins, I'll show up to watch. You you would never know it. I, yeah. I was thinking last night that he is he's giving a performance. You know, this feels like a real character. And yeah. uh, I think whatever you want to say about this movie i do think this movie's better for what he he gives it you know his relationship with his sons and everything
4: yeah and and you know what's what's sort of interesting is it, chronologically when this movie came out it was the second mcu movie after avengers mm. so we had we had uh iron man 3 a few months before this oh, and we yeah, had okay. thor 2 right and so we're now into phase two and, and everything sort of had that post Avengers glow about it, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. but I definitely, I mean, you know, we know when it comes to Thor, the dark world, I think generally speaking, it's included in the lower tier of Marvel films. That's my general sense.
2: Yeah. I, well, I think so. Yeah. Generally. And also I know for myself, like I, I remember where I was seating or seated in the theater watching this. It was a very memorable, like the, the thought creeping into my head, like, Oh, I don't like this one. <laughs> so it's, it was kind of weird. Cause you know, I guess coming off the high of, uh, Avengers and all that
4: Avengers and, and Iron Man three was, was generally well received as my sense. Now now that said, this is a great entr- entrance for Thor. Yeah, I uh, agree. Uh, the, the, the music crescendo, they also modified his, his costume just slightly. So he's got the, the armor on his, his legs as well. And, mm. um, I believe this is Hemsworth's real hair as opposed to, he was wearing a wig in previous,
2: uh, versions. The, you know, in, I in read Avengers that and and yeah. b- before I even read that fact, I noticed, I was like, wow, that looks, that looks like his hair because <laughs> others, <laughs> you know, it looks a little bit more like a wig, but
4: and there's Zachary Levi as Fandral, by the way. Yeah. Um, he, he stepped in for, for Josh Dallas who played the character in the first one. And then, uh, course he got done away with pretty quickly in the third one right but i was actually thinking as, as as i was rewatching it i was like some of my favorite stuff in this is is the the material with the warriors three with sif uh i liked that a lot and i wanted more of that i
2: completely agree all the interaction stuff kind of works for me in this mm-hmm. movie you know, it's just the story and the stakes that just feel a little like, well, if we must, you know, kind of <laughs> a certain sort of, you know, or, or just undercooked is probably. So better th- this,
4: this beat right here, this is obviously inspired by Rages of the Lost Ark. Um,
2: mm, I didn't even think about that.
4: Yeah. And, and uh, I believe this was a, a Joss Whedon rewrite.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I heard so- that, that he had, uh rewritten a couple scenes for this,
4: yeah, after Avengers after he signed on to do Avengers, he became sort of the go to script doctor for phase one and phase two mm. and so he had kind of a hand in in every single one of the movies, perhaps not Guardians of the Galaxy because that was very much a James Gunn joint, but certainly the Avengers related ones
2: yeah you know i i I'm wondering about that the more i as time marches on i mean james gunn did he have some sort of like unique kind of deal where he got to really sort of take ownership over his series more so than others or
4: well i i think if i were to guess it it, with guardians of the galaxy he benefited from the fact that it was you know essentially often its own space no pun intended right Mm -hmm. Other than there's a few bits about Thanos and whatever. And, and, and so he was left alone and then the movie comes out and it's this smash hit. And at that point, I think he was given the freedom to just do his own thing.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was reading that Alan Taylor didn't, you know, have good feelings about uh, his experience on this. Yeah,
4: well, and specifically, what Alan Taylor—Alan Taylor, by the way—who who directed this film, he came off of Game of Thrones and and whatnot. So certainly, he has the the pedigree. Mm-hmm. And and I have to say, I it looks very good. Shots I think so. Like what we're seeing here, like I mean, it, you know, there there's sort of a it's it's a non-blue screen kind of the kind of vibe, which I which I am down with.
2: Like yeah, I would only say till it. the end when the. Yeah, which of course is happening. Right? It sort of just feels but, sort of.
4: But like all of this yeah. stuff and the fight sequences in Asgard, uh, mm-hmm. even more so than than the than the Branagh film, which I generally like. But that feels kind of stagey.
2: Sure, sure.
4: Uh, or stage bound even. But this, I mean, you know, it feels like we're in actual locations. So Alan Taylor, I think, did a good job. Yeah. In terms yeah. of filming the thing. But but he came in. Only as a second choice, because Patty Jenkins was originally signed on. I had Uh,
2: totally forgotten about this. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Yeah.
4: So she, of course, she directed Monster. Uh, Natalie Portman wanted uh, Patty Jenkins. So she comes on board. She she leaves after a certain amount of development because of, you know, the dreaded creative differences. So now Natalie Portman is pissed about that. Mm Mm-hmm. So Helen Taylor comes in as, as a second choice. And again, I don't think he's a bad choice, but he, he said, I had a great time filming it, yes. but then they took the movie away from him in the edit suite.
2: Yeah. 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 Which is, uh, I mean, that would uh, be it's really, like, like looking really in a mirror,
4: Brian, right there.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, Damn. <laughs> <laughs> They're just some some people hit uh chris hemsworth henry cavill they just look like human action figures they,
4: they, they won the genetic lottery
2: yeah um
4: but but uh, yeah as far as the 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 movie being being taken away from him in editing it's i'm curious to know more of you know was there was there a, a difference in tone uh, you know, the, I, I know they probably
2: wanted something a little bit more upbeat. Sure. Sure. Or I, even I, when you were talking about losing some Malaketh stuff, which I think might've helped me a little bit just to, to give it a little more texture and depth. Yeah. Maybe they want these movies to move or they think they're successful and enjoyed best at a speed that really is almost like watching something at 1.5, you know, versus <laughs> one. Yeah you know like uh eh, you know you you get it like we don't need to stop and sit in that like you you get it there's there's a shorthand almost to to what's happening but i think you know spending some time I, I, even with the 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 mother you know dying later that i remember that was one of my biggest problems when i saw it the first time was that we didn't really get to sit in it or feel anything mm-hmm. i'll talk about that more later but I just, oh man, just like five minutes throughout the whole film for certain things. I think really, really would have made this thing land just a little better for a lot of people, honestly.
5: Well,
4: well, certainly the fact that between movie one and two in neither of them, do we get a scene where Thor and his mother are shown to have a relationship that's meaningful, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we assume we we can intuit
3: it.
5: Mm Mm-hmm.
4: Right. And and I think the mere fact that Avengers Endgame sort of inserted like a, a sequence between them in, you know, into its story. Yeah. Is a reflect like the, the filmmakers acknowledge that. Oh, really? I mean, I think so. I mean, at least tacitly, right? Mm hmm. Oh, like, I see oh we need a, Yeah, we, we can... need something to show that Thor and his mom have a relationship. OK, I see well, they saying, do it yeah. retrospectively, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: Now, Chris O'Dowd, he gave an interview recently where he said he'd completely forgotten he was in this movie, (laughs) which maybe maybe he was just being snarky. But if not, there's certainly a pattern of that, because Gwyneth Paltrow uh, has like no memory of half the Marvel movies she appeared in.
2: Well, that that is kind of hilarious. But, uh, (laughs) you know, I just consistently was reading, you know, Idris Elba's like, yeah, I didn't have a good time. You know, Alan Taylor, (laughs) like didn't have a good time. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, didn't have a good time. And you're like. I believe you, but I also wonder if the film had been a success, if they'd be, you know, it would change. It would, it would shade it differently for them. That's a good point.
3: I,
4: I definitely, I feel like as I, I enjoyed uh cat Dennings in the first one. Uh-huh. I feel like this was maybe a little bit too much cat Dennings in this one.
2: I agree. And I remember that being a big thing when it came out feeling that way and sort of reading that I didn't, I was surprised not to find it as insufferable as I remembered it. Sure. But it does feel like, Oh, uh, we need something. Have, have her say anything, <laughs> you know, like just make it, something up. And some of it's kind of funny. And some of it just feels like, uh, quick, we need a blow to end the scene, <laughs> you know? And she's right.
4: Saying, oh, I, I, oh. it, some of her, her, um, banter, it feels a little Judd apatow where I'm sure you mm. get that feeling watching Apatow flicks where it's like, okay, I get it. You're just letting these people riff and you're just letting the camera roll.
2: Yeah. But yeah, exactly. Like, y- you don't have to include everything, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, I get into the actual story here. I mean, Jane, Mrs. Thor going on dates. Yeah. None of it, None <laughs> of the, none of the men can measure up. And, and, and can you blame her for, for being <laughs> infatuated? <laughs>
4: With those with those ocean blue eyes and those rippling muscles and those
2: those uh those uh yeah. <laughs> I was just gonna let you go. I was like, Yeah, go Yeah, on. We're, we're talking about <laughs> that that sandy blonde hair.
4: There <laughs> you go. The, the eyebrows, by the way, that are no longer dye di- uh, bleached yellow. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that, was a, that was a weird thing they did in the first one. And
2: Yeah, I wonder what the the thing I mean, is that what the the comic, I guess? I mean, I guess, you know.
3: <laughs> like, yeah, I don't yeah, think that, yeah.
4: <laughs> is that a, a deal breaker? Like, oh, his eyebrows are not yellow, you know?
2: Something about it just feels like he's wearing like fake beard, fake eyebrows, fake mm-hmm. like everything about that feels a little false, you know, but here yeah. he looks like an actual oh, this is what he looks like, and you just I don't know, endeared to him more or something.
4: So I mean well with that with that uh point, you know, uh the fact that we're now 10 years removed from this movie. I mean, Thor is a fairly beloved character, I think, in, in general terms. You know, he's got yeah. four movies plus the, the, the four Avengers movies he's been in. So this this movie feels even more like a little stick pin in time, which I think is why I, I would guess you were a little softer on it in this, in this review, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, also, I really like Thor 1 from the jump. Yeah. And so I maybe I yeah uh, tone or whatever you want to say about it. I was just like, "Oh, I was looking forward to this and now I'm a little disappointed, but." Yeah. You know. By the way, the the Stonehenge thing, I just want to say yes. real quick. I couldn't believe that was actually Stonehenge. I was like See,
4: I yeah, today they wouldn't do that. It would be on the volume or whatever.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I mean, obviously it doesn't look great in National Lampoon's European Vacation, but right. You know, with the budget they have here, I just assumed they would go to some sort of grassy field and set up some stones. But uh, I was reading that uh, it was a big challenge. They could only shoot, you know, during daylight, but when they weren't open for visiting hours. So it was a, a huge headache. And I was like, wow, I, I I'm just surprised they went through all of that.
3: I, I'm glad I, when they I was did, watching though.
2: it, I assumed it was a set. <laughs> so,
4: so, so it almost wasn't worth the effort then, right? I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> So, so as I alluded to earlier, right? The the whole storyline about the convergence and the ether and the dark elves you're, it, it it's it's all just gleep clop. It, it yeah, it just doesn't mean anything, you know. And I and as I was rewatching, I was thinking about, you know, fundamentally, I don't, I don't, I don't know what the villains tell us about our hero,
2: right? That's a great point. Right. Yeah. And
4: and that's that's something that I always that was something Sam Raimi talked about when he was making his Spider-Man movies. Like his that was always his approach when mm. selecting the villains. It's like, well, what what insight into our hero does the villain give us? And that was his rationale for choosing whatever he did, right? And and you know, I I I think with this I I guess Thor would want revenge because Malekith killed his mother.
5: Mhm
4: but I don't get the sense that that's something that's driving him, right?
2: No. Yeah. The, and that's yeah. what I mean. I, I feel like I didn't hate the idea of like these, these villains want to change the world as we know it back into something that they like. I would like a little more detail about that. And I also, there's something about the Convergence that's so specific that I kind of like. It reminds mm-hmm. me a little bit of the end of A New Hope, you know, with like the rebel base is now in range. Like we mm-hmm. have this, thing slowly coming together and we've got to solve our problem before click this thing happens but they don't really lean into that tension you know right and also it's not what we can talk about more when it's happening but it's not super clear what they need to accomplish it's not super clear what we stand to lose like you just said what the hero stands to lose it's close it's close but you end up not really feeling much about any of it this is a cool idea by the way oh this
4: sort of the the interdimensional thingamajig here
2: yeah this little hole Mm -hmm. in space time here and dropping things and i like that some of them go through this loop and some of them
4: (laughs) appear somewhere else right yeah well the keys disappear that's pretty funny
2: Uh, (laughs) sorry you, you were about to say something
4: yeah well i i think this was you know when we talk about uh mcu part twos right some of them have struggled with it you know mm. it, it just like what 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 is act two of this character's story right mm-hmm. and and you know i i think iron man two kind of had that problem mm. uh thor two you know i think i think captain america the winter soldier kind of benefits from the fact that yes it is captain america 2 but it the time and place is entirely different so it almost it it gets to reboot itself you know what i mean yeah whereas you know i I think iron man 2 is kind of i mean i feel like the reaction was similar to the reaction to this film yeah maybe maybe to a lesser degree cuz this one was more disliked but just kind of like eh, eh, yeah it's another one we like we like the the characters so here's another thing you know
2: certainly at the time but i do i i like you were saying when people reminisce on these films i feel like yeah dark world and iron man 2 are sort of like oh yeah those we're not a big fan of those but most of them are pretty good right and, and i'm finding i think we said when we did iron man 2 <laughs> oh well I, I didn't mind watching that again you know right. But you have thoughts and that same goes for this, you know, it's like, well, I actually didn't mind watching it again, but it, I, I have very clear ideas of what could make it more enjoyable.
4: (laughs) Yeah. It's well, it's, it's so interesting because, because we, at this point we have four Thor films of, of which I would say one and three are the better ones. Yeah. Agreed and 2 and 4 are the worst ones and both for for different yet similar reasons are the worst ones sure <laughs> you know uh and and it's tricky because i think i think fundamentally the the character of thor like i i think that he has potential to be boring and yet i think chris hemsworth just i, I don't know what it is there's just sort of an alchemy between the actor and the character where we enjoy watching him play this character.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely.
4: And, and so when I look at this film, I'm like, I like Hemsworth. I like the, I like, I like all of my returning characters. Like all of that stuff is working for me. Mm -hmm. And honestly, the dark elf story. I mean, this comes from one of the, the great runs uh, uh, in the comics, the Walter Simonson run. So even that I'm like, Oh, we'll rock on, you know, Malekith is a character from that, from that run. Mm hmm. But I think there there was also a sense setting in of like, oh, like in between Avengers movies, we're just sort of treading water. We're waiting Mm. for the next Avengers movie.
3: Yeah. You know?
2: Yeah. No, I. I I mean, I think that's I feel like that's something that I I remember thinking with Iron Man 2 again when we did that commentary where it was like, Hmm when it is the thing that just came out, it's the big movie that we've all anticipated. We're going out this weekend to go see, we were hoping for more, but when we look back and we just kind of go through these films again, you're like, Oh, well, it's not a terrible chapter amongst, you know, 30 others.
4: (laughs) Well, and I think that that goes to sort of the very effective world building that was done both before and after this
5: Mm.
4: where, you're able to appreciate it as sort of a cog in the machine, if nothing else.
2: Yeah, which is so funny, because that sounds so negative. It does, yeah. (laughs) And again, I mean, when something is just a pleasant cog, and that's the thing we're supposed to be all excited about opening weekend, well, then that's disappointing. But then, you know, you're just in the mood, and you're going through the Marvel stuff, and you're like, oh, well, that wasn't... a a bad cog <laughs> you know it doesn't seem as bad if that makes any sense at all
4: <laughs> well well it, you know it's it's a bit like you know because you you made this illusion and and you're not the only one but you know the mcu is sort of like a, a a very expansive tv series right uh-huh and and it's it's like if you're watching star trek the next generation sometimes you just want to see an episode where the enterprise is is uh you know going to some planet it doesn't have to be the most earth shattering episode but you just want to yep. kind of hang out with your friends And and to some extent, that's what, that's what this one is doing. Now that said, uh, I can't make heads or tails out of what Jane is actually going through here.
2: Yeah. This is a little murky.
4: Right. I I think that's the fundamental problem is that you're, you're talking about a, uh, a malevolent force that is ill-defined. Uh-huh. And, and, you know, I, I think just from a, from a conceptual point of view, that feels like something that if they, either they didn't figure it out or they didn't think to tell us, but either way it should be like, well, this is, this is what it does. These are its limitations, you know? Uh Uh-huh. I, and I don't get, you know, it, 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 and and it definitely, you know, later on they sort of shoehorned in this. Oh, and by the way, it's an infinity stone. Anyway, you know, yeah,
2: (laughs) Totally. But no, this is just back to the the details. I mean, I was reading that you know Christopher Eccleston didn't enjoy playing Malketh, keeping with the theme, yeah. and uh, it made me think a lot of things. He's not very memorable, which we already touched mm. on, and he his look isn't even very memorable, which I don't think helps. And it it, yeah. it, it called to mind Eric Bana in the first Star Trek, J.J. Mm. Yeah. Abrams Star Trek, in that. He's not a very memorable villain, but at the very least, he sort of looks like Eric Bana, so I can remember him. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. in this one, I think a more memorable look, but even more importantly, why is this so important to him? Is there something I that think- he lost? Is there something in the current existence of light that yeah. is killing him or oppressing him or a, you know, something that would make the darkness better for his people. Like if we had one scene where it's like sort of like Thanos, I mean, that's why Thanos was so great. You know, like he had, we understood his motivation, what he was willing to sacrifice for it. What, what it looked success would look like for him and why that meant something to him. And I think if we had gotten that sort of detail with this character, the villain, it would have been great. I I fully agree. Yeah. I, I, I mean, you mentioned Thanos,
4: right? And I think like for me, one of my favorite Thanos scenes, uh, in both of those movies is where it's just him talking to Dr. Strange on the ruins of his planet. Mm. And it's just these two guys talking to each other. And he's like, you know, this was my planet and it was like this. And, you know, mm-hmm. this, you know, and, 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 and obviously Josh Brolin is so memorable in the role, but, but, but you know, there, there were real choices made and there was a real character arc sketched out for him. and, and, I think, you know, at, at the, certainly at the time this movie was made, Eccleston was, was fairly well known if, if, for, for Doctor Who, if nothing else. But it does feel like he was sort of doing his, his uh, uh, American tour of just playing mm. uh, bad guys in forgettable American movies. Because um, he did GI Joe just a couple of years before
2: this, he was Destro in that. Oh, funny! See, I don't even remember. <laughs>
5: yeah, Right,
2: that's not a, even a knock against him. I just don't remember that movie.
4: Yeah, I mean that movie is a very forgettable film. You know. Yeah. Um. And 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 I, you know, he said as as uh, as it pertains to this. One, oh no, I just did it for the money, and I'm like, well, hey, uh, you know, uh, the sure. Michael Kane approach, I can respect that. <laughs> yeah i i hope the addition it put on your house uh, is is uh, worth your while you know
2: yep yep i think he owes us all uh some coffee you know like a like a, <laughs> a, a visit and what i'm trying to say like we get a visit an afternoon <laughs> at uh said place as recompense <laughs> but yeah no i think you could have even played up i think i just watched this last night i don't even remember but i think portman's character suffers a little bit while carrying this thing or she yeah it shows her eyes turn black at one point i remember but just Mm -hmm. a little like if she gets progressively sick carrying this thing and yeah you know knowing that the the villain really wants it and just just little snippets of dialogue you know it it really would have brought this thing into focus i feel
4: yeah i mean the the opening narration has you know um the the flashback sequence, we see that it's Thor's uh, grandfather who first faced off against against the, the dark elves. And so, you know, maybe if they drove that home a little bit, you know, kind of a general Zod thing, you know, the son of Jor-El, you know, Mm -hmm. like the, the, the son of the, the family of the, the one who, who, you know, trapped us or whatever. Totally.
2: Totally. One
4: line. Yeah. And th- this, too, actually, I was thinking about this. I was like, "Why have them speaking another language? Like... <laughs> right. I mean, you know what I mean? Like just have them speak English, dude. Like, it's hard enough yeah. to like, get find our way into those characters.
2: That's really funny.
4: Yeah. I, I mean, I, we, wa- we don't need them yeah. to be like, ta just whatever, <laughs> man. just we
2: get it. You know, <laughs> that is really funny for, for those reasons. And also, you know, I was reading that a new language was created for that scene that those yeah, actors why? had to memorize. Why? And it just, it, tell me it, why. Well, it set my mind to fire uh, like a flame. I was like, who does, who did that? How do you make something that just doesn't sound like elfish? You know, like, <laughs> that's right. and like, to what end, you know? And like like, yeah. and does someone go like, ha, shasha, doesn't sound quite right. Could it be a show? You know, like, <laughs> Like, who's who's grading this stuff? These poor actors having to memorize this nonsense. So yeah, it's sometimes it feels worthy and sometimes it feels like to what end. And that, that's what I exactly. thought for this one. <laughs> no, tol- totally. Yeah.
4: So this woman here who's like the head nurse who was talking to Natalie Portman, that's Alice Krieger. She uh, she played the Borg Queen in Star Trek uh, First Contact. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, in the in the miniseries "Children of Dune," which, by the way, had music by Brian Tyler. That's actually the first time I ever heard Brian Tyler was was in for the soundtrack of that. But uh, she played Lady Jessica, Paul's mother in that.
2: Oh wow! Oh boy! This here,
4: that's Anthony Hopkins. He's won an Oscar for playing uh, Hannibal Lecter. I think you may have uh, seen "Silence of the Lambs," and uh... <laughs> and he's now he's the oldest uh, living, uh, like the the oldest uh, best actor winner, I think, or something. something oh wow! Like that, right, really. For, For, uh, for, for the father, right? Huh. Wow. Actually, let me double check that.
2: You know, it's just funny. He's one of those people, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but who's just always seemed like an older man. That's right. You know, so it's, I haven't even thought about him being actually old. I'm like, oh, it's just, you know, Anthony Hopkins.
4: (laughs) But what's funny is that like in Science of the Lambs, he was 60. Oh, wow. You know, or like early sixties, you know, Mm. (laughs) like... Because he's what? Uh, well, let me see. Actually, he's eighty-five right now. Wow! So science of the yeah. So he would have been like like early sixties. Okay. <laughs> which which I mean that's older. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's not yeah.
2: old. No, no. It's but it's uh, actually I would have thought he was in his fifties in that movie. He doesn't. I don't know my memory. No. He, well, well, I think that the fact that
4: he was able to play see this right here like oh and sometimes it's a stone but anyway (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it's very obviously uh adr after the fact because they're like you know what we gotta we gotta set up this infinity stone business you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and again it doesn't make sense like if you really because because i was watching this with my kids you know my my younger ones who hadn't seen this uh um Initially, or they don't remember it well, but they're like, wait, so how is the ether, the, the reality stone? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know, man. I was like, ah, <laughs> whatever.
2: Yeah. 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 yeah
4: Just yeah. Did it. shut up. Go to bed. That was my,
2: <laughs> that was what I said. Fortunately for Marvel, not a lot of people are revisiting this one. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, with Hopkins,
4: I mean, he, he does signs of the lambs in 1991. Right. And then in like 2002, he does red dragon. Mm. When he's playing essentially Elector just before Signs of the Lambs, mm-hmm. and it totally works, even though it's like twelve years removed, you know? Yeah, yeah. He he's aging gracefully.
2: Now, if you'll just give me a minute to revel in this made-up language a little more.
4: <laughs> Seriously, I mean, I was—that was what I kept thinking as I was rewatching it. Just have him speaking English. Like, why are you erecting this barrier between the characters and the audience?
5: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
4: <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs>
2: the, the character
4: of Malekith in the comic books, it's kind of an interesting look. He's got like his face is black on one side, white on the other. Hmm. Um, and it's just very distinctive. And in the film, they kind of, they, they pay, they pay homage to that, you know, where he gets like zapped in the face later. So it's like half his face is, is burnt.
2: Uh, you know, I was gonna say I enjoyed that uh, coming so closely to our Jaws two commentary, where oh, the yeah, shark that's had it. half his face burnt. And I was like, "Hey, wow! Two movies in a row
4: <laughs> two two part twos in a row at yeah. that." But yeah, I I mean, the way he looks in the comics, like I would have preferred that, if nothing else, just to make the give him a a, a distinctive look. You know? Yeah. Uh-oh, that guy's going to be trouble, Brian. I don't know. <laughs> Got my eye on that guy.
2: Um, but yeah, no, uh, just last thing I'll say about Malketh and his generic look in this. <laughs> I, he just feels like a foot soldier for the army of a bad guy in another film. Right? Where you have like right. a hundred of people that look like that, that are just getting, <laughs> you know, slashed in a field in a Lord of the Rings movie or something, right? Yeah. Like it doesn't yeah. look specific enough to be the main villain.
4: It it is funny to to read some of like some of Eccleston really you know holding forth about what he put into the character and the motivation and whatever and I'm like man respect but uh, none of that like made it onto the screen yeah
2: you know? yeah that must be disappointing
4: he you know he sa- he says what I thought about a great deal was revenge there's huge amounts of revenge one quote is when you seek revenge be sure to dig two graves. <laughs> Yeah, uh, he's the distillation of revenge, so in a way, that was what I had to think of how revenge can make you absolutely monomaniacal. And I'm like, dude, I I feel terrible.
2: I was gonna say, you're making me feel bad.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Uh... Like, take Loki, for example. Obviously, at this point, a beloved, I mean, he's not even a villain anymore at this point, right? Mm -hmm, mm But at this point, when the film came out, anyway, he was a villain, right? But like, you know, you care about his motivations, and to some extent, you're like, you want him to be better, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's obviously it's like, again, Hiddleston is so well regarded in this role. But I remember even back then, like people were like, oh, but Loki, he's a great
2: character. Yeah, I was going to say now we kind of have our fully formed opinion on that character. But yeah, I think this was the man. I really like this guy. This guy really makes uh, these movies pop. He's the. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like certainly in
4: the fourth Thor, I felt his absence.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Good point.
2: You know, I was reading and had forgotten that uh, Natalie Portman did not come back for Endgame but they reused footage of her from this movie. Correct. Yeah, they yeah, it, which, I
4: think I think it was like unused footage.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's just her her wardrobe here yeah. reminded me of that. I was like, "Oh yeah, and re- remember she got like credited too, like build. <laughs> you know, just well, she, she did
4: she did record some new dialogue.
2: Oh, well. Um
4: but yeah, I I I I remember seeing that in game and thinking like, "Oh, they're kind of like I think they're trying to butter her up a little bit so they can bring her back for the uh, Thor movie cuz at that time Thor Love and Thunder hadn't been announced yet.
2: Mm, I see. Good work if you can get it.
4: There you go. This sequence right here is in Avengers Endgame. We see uh Loki throwing that thing and then uh Thor and Rocket uh, like pass in front of him.
5: Oh,
2: funny. Kind of like uh Here's a reference for you. Uh loaded weapon 1 <laughs> where they <laughs> pop into the movie Ninja Turtles.
3: Oh wait.
4: Like taking footage I, I, yes. that exists and inserting yes. the characters. Yeah. <laughs> like I understand the reference but but it remind me of the specific sequence.
2: So uh, in that parody of uh lethal weapon, Emilio Estevez and Samuel Jackson are like poking around through a sewer, I think.
4: Yes, yes. Okay, I remember. Okay, yeah. Yeah, That's and then right.
2: they poke their head up and then it cuts to a scene from teenage mutant ninja turtles yeah and their heads are inserted in like they're poking their heads into the film (laughs) yeah which that was new line right was loaded weapon new line oh that makes sense
5: yeah yeah tonight there's gonna be
4: a jailbreak there's a sort of a, a a murky color palette yeah uh that that is kind of unappealing right and i i I think that's also um i don't
2: know what they could have
4: done to make things pop a little more
2: that is a really good point i mean you could even have the world look muddy but maybe their costumes stand out against them or something yeah it's it's you know like by way of contrast right thor ragnarok
5: is very
4: very brightly colored and you know kind of Right. And and arguably Thor, Love and Thunder leaned too far in that direction. Yeah, sure. And I'm like, well, if we could just find some kind of platonic ideal here, you know.
2: Yeah, you know, I don't I was watching something the other day and it was just blue, you know, like everything was blue. The skin was blue. The and not not quite that James Cameron blue, but just like I was
4: about to say, was it an Avatar movie? (laughs)
2: right but just like (laughs) we're serious this is a serious movie blue (laughs) and i thought you know and it was like daytime and you know it didn't look like that the grass was green you know the sky Mm -hmm. had clouds and i just sometimes wonder why like why not let things look like of earth you know i Mm. it's just this i don't know and i think it it takes away from like the naturalism of it and it affects us on a subconscious level sometimes it's like eh, it's okay like sometimes we can let movies look like you know reality i
4: i think i fully agree with what you're saying but i also think that both you and i are coming from sort of having been raised by the steven spielberg school of even fantasy exists in a world just like ours you know
2: i i yeah i think you're right i think you're right
4: but because I, I feel,
2: and, and Spielberg even sort of leaned into that a bit. I remember War of the Worlds not loving the palette of that movie.
4: Yeah, well, once, once, once Steven met Janusz, yeah, yeah. Uh, things changed irrevocably. But let's, let's say 1970s and 80s Spielberg.
2: Yeah, yeah. Even Jurassic Park. I'm glad that Jurassic Park looks the way that it does, and it doesn't have this sheen you know this color palette applied to yeah, look it look at that look
4: just... that sif gives her by the way, ooh
2: oh I know i do i i it's so funny how Thor's not even slightly
4: interested in sif. what is wrong with I, him i I don't <laughs> understand, I do not understand if Jamie
2: Alexander is throwing herself at you, yeah, this should feel and i I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that was part of the Patty Jenkins thing, right like she yeah. wanted to yeah delve right. into the sort of love aspect of it all, and i frankly I think they should have. Yeah, it's it, it, a good it, struggle for him. It absolutely like like what you see,
4: because bear in mind, this is when when Marvel was was run by Isaac Perlmutter. Mm. And 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 Feige had to answer to him. So you see how a lot of the creative choices were filtered through that and through this Marvel creative committee. And and it ended up, you know, it because it, it, there was this this creative committee. Where it was like v- people from the comic books and wherever, and they would have s- fi- uh, sign off on a lot of these decisions, you know? Mm-hmm. And the thought I have is, well, I'm sure the comic book people were were giving good advice. I'm sure there were bean counter people who were like, oh, don't break any of the toys, so to speak. Sure. Like, don't make any changes that are too drastic, because what about the next one kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I fully believe that between this one and, and Iron Man three, also, I don't know if you remember, uh, Rebecca Hall was supposed to be the villain of Iron Man three. Right. It wasn't, it wasn't going to be Guy Pierce, right? And and Ike Perlmutter was like, no, 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 no woman is going to be. I mean, real weird choices I, coming from I don't know where.
2: Man, that is so weird. Yeah,
4: yeah. But sorry, you, you were talking about Spielberg. I apologize.
2: No, no, just the, the the palette thing. I just feel like uh, even when I watch, you know, stuff like real world dramas these days, there's just this weird sheen, sheen. Yep. to it that I just mm-hmm. feel it looks so too polished, artificial, you know, it's like, uh, I just don't think it's necessary, but you know, I mean, those are, those are my eyes coming from my past viewing experiences. So maybe your kids, you're like, well, that's what a movie looks like, you know, and they don't feel that way. So.
4: I mean, I, I think that, um, yeah, I think you're probably right that, that it is probably a generational thing, you know, but it's, it's kind of like when, when we were, uh, you know, in our late teens is when Michael Bay sort of blew up. And at least for me, that was the first time I saw somebody really lean hard into that, that sepia style, really blown out, mm. uh, orange tones, right. Which is really typifies his approach. Yeah, But we don't see that as much anymore other than in Michael Bay movies. That's true. Yeah. Right. But there is sort of Christopher Nolan style, which I would say is maybe a little bit more washed out.
2: You know, he a little bit not as washed out as some of the other things I yes. feel that I'm complaining about. My brother, actually, who, like I say, he doesn't have the he doesn't think about this stuff as much as us, but he does feel it. And he's like, I love the look of Nolan movies. They remind me of the movies that I grew up with. Hmm. You know, like. Concrete looks like gray, grass looks like green, the sky looks blue, but it still looks cinematic. Well, I think
4: think part of that is because he tries as much as possible to shoot in practical real locations.
2: Yeah, he doesn't seem to like tweaking very much. He wants to capture reality.
4: Do it in camera as much as possible.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I like this whole sequence, by the way.
4: I think it's very effective. Yeah.
2: Yeah. uh, uh, Going back, Idris Elba uh who also did not enjoy making this movie apparently. Uh, <laughs> uh I love the whole thing, you know, he he running along that bridge and with using the knife to jump and stab onto the ship and bring it down, only to realize that there's a whole bunch of them coming. Um it's good. And then crashing into the the I don't know what you call it, throne room there. You
4: know, we're talking about the dark elves and, you know, the guy, you know, Malekith's, uh buddy who ends up becoming, you know, the big, who becomes curse, you know, mm-hmm. Uh
2: do, would you have even known that that's Mr. Echo from, from Lost? I, I'm glad you brought that up. I, I learned that. No, no. And I thought, <laughs> is it, well, you know what I was gonna say, is it worth it? Yes, it is. Because you get to put on like a, like a sunroom, like you were talking about to your house. But, uh, I mean, just to. Like, why hire this famous person to just completely bury them? Like, all you see is his eyeballs through all that makeup. Yeah, that must have been a nightmare. But I mean, I'm happy for him because I love like that actor and I want him to work. But
4: well, I mean, he's in the earlier scene where he's talking to Malachith and and whatever. But yeah, but even even then, it's so it, it's a the the character is so flimsy and b the the, the makeup obscures him to such an extent that that. Uh, you're not getting that performance because yeah to your point i mean he's a he's a great actor Mm -hmm. Uh, and he also was in gi joe the rise of cobra by the way so we got got a lot of gi joe gi joe vets populating this movie (laughs)
2: yeah (laughs) i like these uh, i was thinking them uh, these bombs the way that they work they're sort of like the house at the end of poltergeist where it ah uh, yeah turns everything in on itself, and I was like, I would have, I would have called them geist geist bombs, <laughs> geist bombs. <laughs> this is this is midnight, Brian. Watching this movie, thoughts. <laughs> um, but See, it's a I, cool effect. I mean, more like a black hole, I guess, if you want to.
4: <laughs> right, it's essentially creating that uh, as
2: people get little black holes in. sucking things into them. Yeah, it's cool. See, cool the, the
4: the thought I had is, you know, earlier we have, you know, as the prisoners are escaping, Loki's like, you know take the that entrance or whatever you know yeah uh and i was like you know if if they more directly connected that to his mother dying
2: mm. like peter parker
4: he, exactly how's that right. my
2: problem or whatever he said, yeah you know? yeah exactly right yeah oh, Because Zaki, that's so good right yes oh just
3: little 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 tweaks to this film you know it's not yeah. a lot Ah. Like, and he's
4: carrying that guilt, you know, like, because he's not, he's not thinking like, oh, I want them to to destroy Asgard. He's a trickster. He's like, you know what? What do I care? Screw it. Go there.
1: They stuck me down
4: here. Screw them. Yeah. And the one person he cares about, who genuinely cares about, uh, ends up getting killed,
2: you know? Yep. Yep. I can't remember if I said it earlier, but you were saying, you know, they had to retroactively sort of build a relationship between Thor and his mom. I do like... Loki and his mom's relationship yes. in this film. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's effective and man, it would have been more effective with your your idea.
4: <laughs> Plus, I mean, it's uh, Renee Russo. We love Renee Russo. We were just talking about uh in the line of fire not that long mm-hmm. ago. And it's like yep. give her more to
2: do, you know?
5: Yep. Yep.
2: It's like almost not trusting that the audience will find those things interesting. Like I said, I feel I feel like they're I really would be willing to bet their MO was this movie needs to move at a certain clip and people will not miss the details because they will just be, you know, flying along with the thing they'll feel. it, Yeah. But I, I I really, I disagree with that.
4: Well, and, and what's interesting is that, I mean, the movie did well, right? Like it, sure. It, it did measurably better than the first Thor for one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, by about a hundred or so million dollars, I think, uh, yeah, about 650 million it made, you know, against, a wow. um, a budget. Uh, the, the budget is either it's somewhere between 150 and 272 million, Brian, which, <laughs> that's funny. which which I I have to say, that's, that's like, if my wife is like, how much money do we have in savings? Well, we got either a uh, hundred dollars or $50,000.
2: Right.
3: right. I don't think that'll work. You know? Yeah.
4: Now now this the funeral sequence, I remember discussing this with you. I actually find it quite poignant. I I thought so when I first saw it, and and I thought so again. I think the music is quite beautiful. I remember you had your qualms about it.
2: It's so funny. I can't believe you do remember that, but I do remember this was one of if I had to remember two things that I thought about this film. I remember it not feeling emotional enough for me. And I think I was trying to figure out why. And I think it's a lack of the, uh, you know, depth of relationship that we were talking about earlier. But you know, what really made me realize it was when they had those glowing orb balls and they went into Uh the sky, which is, (laughs) it's, it's it's a cool idea. But it was like,
4: like it's, 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 it's like in karate kid Two, you know, when when, uh, (laughs) the lanterns. Yeah, exactly.
2: Well, I think what it made me realize was, there's no talking after she dies. It's all just visuals. And I was like, there's a lot of creativity. And even this, where she's turning into magic sparkles and going to the sky here, <laughs> like it's a lot of creativity. It feels like <laughs> this. No, it's not this bad. I was going to say it's like that Gremlins 2 pitch meeting on Key and Tio. It's like, <laughs> what if, what if, uh, it's like, should Thor be like, sort of like, wipe a tear? No, 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 no. no. Uh, what, what if, uh, instead, what if she turns into sparkles and goes into the sky. That's crazy. I love it. It's in the movie. What if everybody's holding these glowing orbs? What does it mean? I don't know. But they float into the sky. I love it. It's in the movie. Like <laughs> it's all about visuals, and I'm not sensing or feeling any emotion well, from this. These this moment right here is the most emotional part of the whole thing. Yes, this. Or I don't remember if it happens here, but the moment where we reveal that Loki has trashed yeah. his room, right probably the most emotional thing in the entire movie to me well this uh, well, right this here too, where he blasts to, the thing yeah. where he blasts the stuff right I, I i wordless you know and that's great and i i yeah. wish i had sensed any of that during that funeral thing and i remember that sort of bothering me the first go around and it and it, it just feels i don't know it just no, you're feels not
4: you're not wrong flat. i i think what you're saying is right i i think brian tyler's music is doing a lot of the lifting in that scene Sure. Yeah. Because I th- I think it's a beautiful track.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No complaints. Even the visuals I'm saying, I, I, I think they're interesting, but I think that's what I remember more than what anyone is feeling. Any expression we're seeing on anyone's face, you know?
4: I, I think going back to what I was saying earlier, the biggest problem, because even in this film, we have this little moment where where Odin tells Jane, I think he's like, even now she worries about me going into battle or whatever, you know, and it's like this little, I, I like that, that little dialogue yeah. where it just, you show their, their bond, but we don't have anything that really gets into Thor and his mother's relationship.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that should be the, the heart of the film there. You know, it's like, yeah. those guys wanted something so bad, the bad guys that, you know, and then they went and killed the, our hero's mother. And like, we should just feel that broiling beneath everything afterward and it just it's just not there.
4: Yeah, cuz cuz I think between the first and second films we get a good sense of Thor's relationship with Odin. Totally. I like that there's a line earlier in this one where Thor is like, you know, we would have won quicker if you'd been with us talking to Odin. Odin's like, you must think me a piece of bread that needs to be buttered. Yeah. It's <laughs> a good line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I I it's sort of like you know, this is the problem where, where like, uh, you know, Batman begins really delves into Bruce and his connection to his dad. But like,
3: what about mom, right? We don't even care about mom. Yeah. Right? <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. So we get a little bit of a tease there. What's the darkness within her mm-hmm. there? See, so I,
4: yeah, yeah. I actually, I, I was gonna say, like Zachary Levi, I, uh, he said he didn't have a great time making this one. He said supposedly, like he's like, well, I don't know, Fandral didn't get a ton to do in the first one, so they're like, no, 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 he's gonna have a ton to do in this one. It's <laughs> gonna, it's gonna be Fandral the Dark World, guest starring Thor, is I think. <laughs> <with that one. laughs> and 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 i i actually do think that well he 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 makes somewhat of a mark on me like i remember him in this movie i can't really say that about Fandral in the first one so that's something i guess
2: I yeah it's 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 not nothing but it, it it isn't a lot i can understand his disappointment
4: oh 100% i i mean that being said i found him so ridiculously obnoxious in the second thor movie uh, sorry, second, not Thor movie, second Shazam, oh, Shazam. movie. Shazam, yeah. That, that I'll gladly take him as he is in the second Thor movie.
2: Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, oh man. Man, after the the first Shazam, what a,
0: <laughs> what a letdown. Disappointment,
2: yeah.
4: So th- this sequence here, I, I like this just as something that, you know, c- c- like the, in the first film, if you remember, Thor is like angry at his dad and he disagrees with me, comes at him from a place of rage. Right. Mm -hmm. And here it's, it's almost reversed. Right. And, you know, because Thor is now kind of wiser and more experienced and, and he's coming at his dad from a different, like more like rationally. And it's Odin who's being angry at him. Mm hmm. And, and I like how the dynamic has shifted, but also it's interesting because he's like how many, or Thor is like, how many Asgardian, how much Asgardian blood has to be spilled or something that. And he says as much as it takes. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of alluding to Odin's past as a much more bloodthirsty figure. Right. Which we don't fully mm-hmm. find out about until the third film. Right. You know, so obviously it wasn't intended at the time, but I kind of like that connective tissue there.
2: Yeah, every scene between them in this movie is so good. It really is, you know? Yeah. And it's unfortunate that I think, basically,
4: we got what we just saw and then at the very end. But that's not even really Odin
2: at the very end. Yeah, that's right. Right. Do you think it originally was? Or do you think that was always like, oh... Or, or or was that one of those things that was added with the uh, the Loki love as you were saying post
4: I was wondering about that. Yeah, because because they're they're definitely setting up stuff throughout to sort of lead up to that reveal. Uh-huh. But yeah, I don't know. I was actually I was wondering that same thing as I was watching it.
5: Yeah.
3: I enjoyed this. So too.
4: Heimdall between the the second and third movie grows some some and dreadlocks.
3: <laughs> oh yeah, that's right.
4: <laughs> I mean that 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 is kind of funny. Like like you know, by the time we get to the third movie or or the fourth or or, or whenever, I think I think it's after he dies. I think after Heimdall dies, you know, Thor's like, and then my best friend died. And I'm like, well, Heimdall was. I mean, he was like number five or six probably in like the pecking order, you know? Right. right. (laughs) Then you realize, well, everybody else died too. So it was, it was his time in the barrel. Right.
2: Now they, they uh, approached Kenneth Branagh, right. To, to come back, but he felt like he didn't have enough time to develop it.
3: Uh, I,
4: yeah, I think, I think, you know the one assumes that that you know even with Captain America they probably wanted Joe Johnston to come back but I mean it feels like yeah all of those other than Favreau who ended up having a not great time on the second one
5: Mm. uh,
4: I think I think these directors were like you know what one and done I'm good you know sure sure even though I mean again I I think Kenneth Branagh did a terrific job on the first film same yeah uh I, I I think in my opinion, it is probably my favorite of the Thorpe movies.
2: I think so. I think yeah. so too. Um, um, And it's so different than what you see him do in other things. I mean, from these, you know, Agatha Christie movies to, you know, his Shakespeare stuff. Like it's, you know, it, it's
4: kind of cool. By the way, right, right here, Brian. So, so this sequence right here, this would have been like our intro of Loki in this film. Right. So essentially, cause he's, cause he's talking at the table. He's like, I know somebody who can help us. And they're like, you don't mean, and then we cut to this, Mm -hmm. you know, It's the first Mm -hmm. time in the movie. So I think I, I, I'm glad they did it the way they did it. I think it's better for the movie, but you can also see it working the way, the way it was originally structured.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, with how much that we love him and, I've liked seeing everything before this with Loki. I think it lands with more impact here, seeing what a mess he is after his mother's That's death. A, exactly. Yeah. yeah.
4: Sorry, you were saying about, about uh the 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 Christie adaptations.
2: Oh no, just just Branna. It's just interesting his style. I mean Thor feels so different from those and it's
5: Yeah, he
4: he doesn't have like a distinctive stamp as a filmmaker, I don't think. Mm-hmm you know, you're not going to confuse Thor with Jack Ryan shadow recruit or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Right. But, but I think he's a good director, but he's kind of Ron Howard esque, I guess in that mm. sense.
2: Yeah, sure. You know, Wow. That Jack Ryan movie. It's like, I've forgotten about it.
4: I mean, it's, like...
2: you know, <laughs> I remember not hating it just as an action film. I don't know as a Jack Ryan movie, but. I mean, it, it, to me, it's like a, it's a Thor of the Dark World. It's fine. Total, it's like 2014 Chris Pine action film. It's like, yeah, it's all right. that's right. You it's know? Fine. It is always fun seeing these two together.
4: That's what I'm saying. Like, like, there's just this other uh, gear of energy that comes on from now until uh, Hiddleston leaves the picture, you know? Uh-huh. It's just their banter with each other.
2: I think I was reading uh the Alan Taylor's daughter, little daughter, like mm-hmm. twelve or something, was doing a play mm-hmm. and she was gonna play Loki. And oh, so Hiddleston funny. gave her acting tips. <laughs> and he so said weird. that one of the tricks is Loki is never not having fun. That's perfect. And, was, and you can see it in the scene where it's like Thor is just sort of storming forward and Loki's like bouncing, <laughs> you know, just well,
4: well, and and I love Chris Evans doing his Tom Hiddleston impression here. <laughs> yes. Yeah, this is fun. Which is yeah. literally the way they did it is they filmed this with Hiddleston in Evans's Captain America suit. Oh, really? And he did the whole thing. Yeah, he so he did it. He, so it's Tom Hiddleston, dressed as Captain America, and he's like, oh, and God bless America, whatever. And he did the whole scene. And then Chris Evans watched it and imitated Tom Hiddleston playing him. Oh, I love that. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah. That's fun. And the... the um, what kind of interesting is that? That's the only time when when uh, when Loki becomes Cap. That's the only time where it's the that person's voice. Oh, because right, because all oh, the other funny. times, because cause like he makes Thor turn into Sif, but it's uh-huh. Thor's voice, right? Yeah, I
2: hadn't I hadn't uh, clocked that.
4: Yeah, we also hear uh, the the Alan Silvestri Captain America music when he just appears there. Yeah. I, w- when that little, that little cameo happened, I kind of loved how we didn't expect it and that made it special. Mm-hmm. Whereas now with Marvel stuff, it's like, all right, well, who's going to show up in this one? You know,
2: that is so true. I mean, at the time that must've felt so like we can do that. Yeah, exactly. You know, but now we, so yeah, we've come to expect it. Oh man, I would have loved a, a little more with the uh, Sif and Jane there. We could have gotten yep. some tension and.
4: Uh, well, I think, I think part of the problem is that there's nothing particularly in the first film to allude to like Sif having feelings for Thor, you know, sure. like not really sure. Maybe there is something, but not, nothing comes to mind off the top of my head, you know? Yeah. And, and certainly in the comics, I mean, that was definitely a thing that Thor was sort of torn between the two of them.
3: Mm.
2: It's good. It's juicy stuff, you know? It is. I agree. And it torn between uh, his role in uh, his his home, you know, which Odin is trying to make yeah. him uh, consider, and what he's come to know outside of home.
4: It, it's it's sad watching this now, uh, watching Ray Stevenson specifically, knowing he's gone now.
5: Yeah, yeah.
4: Have you uh, been watching Loki season two? By the way,
2: I haven't.
4: Uh-huh. Are, are you planning to?
2: I it's it's one that I yeah I will probably get to yeah. It's just so funny though that the the urgency is kind of <laughs> no longer there for me. It's like oh when I have time that is will eventually enter the rotation. And and I think that is uh,
4: you're speaking for a great many people, which is probably uh, uh, you know an exemplar of some of the problems Marvel is dealing with right now.
2: Yeah. But it does say something about Loki and Hiddleston that uh, it's like, oh well, that's one I I should check out, you know, versus
4: some. Yeah, I that. I have to say, I mean, as we record this, we're we're five episodes in, and I've I've thoroughly enjoyed the second season. I really, and I, oh and good, it, yeah, I think so. I think I think not only Hiddleston is fantastic, but you got this wonderful supporting cast on that show. You know, obviously uh, Owen Wilson and and Kiwi Kwan is in there, and uh, I've I've just enjoyed spending time with them you know i don't i don't know uh generally what the fan reaction has been but i you know for the paper i i gave it a very positive
2: review nice Well, i will have to check that out but i mean obviously yeah i love those guys all those guys so
4: this whole bit here with with them flying the ship i mean it just feels like uh kind of star Warsy or something like the, the banter and you know like mm-hmm. uh And like I said, you feel like that was missing a little bit, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah. There's this new energy. New energy, yeah. Yeah. It's funny because, yeah, Thor sort of started off as someone where the humor derived from him bouncing off of people. That's right. And then at some point they're like, no, Thor's the funny guy.
4: Yeah, and... and that's sort of interesting to me because, because it, it is a reflection. I've said this before about how these characters at some point just merged with the actors. Right. Mm-hmm. And what they figured out is that, well, Chris Hemsworth is a pretty funny dude. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, it's unfair for somebody who's that good looking to also be really funny. <laughs> yeah, It's not right, Brian. It's not right.
2: <laughs> Le- leave something for the rest of us. Yeah, but it, I like that you can make it make sense in your head yes. because it's as he goes out of his world. I mean, his world is very regal and serious, mm-hmm. right? But as he ventures out and meets more people, he kind of comes into his own, like who he really is. You know, he can be a yeah. combination of all those things.
4: That's right. You just decapitated your grandfather. That's in, in the uh, the character boar uh, was decapitated in the in the Norse myths as i recall.
3: Oh really?
2: Yeah. That's clever. Speaking of the the writer, Don Payne, who he was the the person who wrote the first Thor also and i saw that That's right. Sadly he died before this movie came out. Before it came out, yeah. Yeah, it yeah.
4: was and it was i mean he he had written for The Simpsons. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Right. He 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 would write with the, with John Frink.
3: They oh really?
4: 10. Yeah yeah yeah. Uh, but but he he also wrote Fantastic Four, uh, two the, the good one I would say.
2: You know I gotta check that out. I I saw that when I was looking up his IMDb, and I feel like now at this point you know where I sort of missed the films of yesteryear a little bit, and they're, <laughs> the, <laughs> I, to, I feel like that's Fantastic
4: Four. Yeah, both of those movies, like they are the most two thousand four and two thousand seven movies you're ever going to see, right?
2: Yeah, I mean for 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 what they are, f- for sure. But you know, it's just something I miss, and I, I could see myself kind of enjoying for what it is. It, you know, pre Marvel
4: MCU is really this fascinating mix of weird movies. <laughs> Like, like from, from like MCU Iron Man right 2000, 2008. So blade. So 98 to 2008, mm-hmm. the movies that came out between in that 10 year span. What a trip, man.
5: Yeah. Yeah.
4: Look at that. Look at him
2: being all badass. Zachary Levi. <laughs> you had a good time.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Admit it.
2: <laughs> I mean, he goes
4: out like a punk in the third one. Man, I don't even remember, <laughs> dude. It's like Kate, Kate uh, Blanchett walks through the portal. She's just like zap. Oh, really? Throws throws a knife in him, and he just he's just out. I'm like, well, that sucks. <laughs> uh, Volstagg and fandrel are like like that. They're out.
2: Yeah, it's it's very vague in my mind, but I kind of remember it. Yeah, I didn't I didn't like that. I didn't like that they did that. <laughs> Wait, did we talk it's about a- Benedict Cumberbatch yet? Sorry, sorry, this is a total. Uh,
4: I, I feel like we should. There's it's always a good time to talk about Benedict Cumberbatch.
2: Wait, I want to hear what you're going to say first. Uh about
4: Benedict Cumberbatch, I think he's a lovely man with <laughs> a, a, a captivating voice and uh, well,
2: I don't know what
3: <laughs> an excellent Sherlock. Uh, yeah, that's right.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, but he he was uh, offered the role of Malketh and well he very down. smartly turned it down. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Cuz what if it's like, well, all right, yeah, this Marvel thing, like let's let's get in on that. But he was like, no, nah, didn't the role didn't seem interesting enough and then Circled back, and now he's Doctor Strange. Yeah, I mean, you just don't know, right? Like, uh-huh.
4: like how many actors are are doing that, where they're like hanging in for like, oh, I want like the next offer in
2: Marvel stuff. I mean, like, yeah, I feel like I read that about uh, Amanda Seyfried. Okay, where she was offered some role in uh, Guardians, and she wasn't sure. She's like, well, I don't want to be in the first Marvel movie that fails.
4: <laughs> oh, I did read about that. That's right
2: yeah you're like wow you just yeah oops you, you know you don't have a crystal ball i think nebula they wanted her for i feel like oh interesting okay
4: i i think i could be wrong but it sounds right right
5: yeah
2: i can see it that's that's interesting yeah
4: i i remember um this is only tangentially connected but like luke cage the tv series luke cage Uh huh. um they um the villain in the first season is played by Mahershala Ali, and he's really good in it. But they had offered it originally to um, Giancarlo Esposito. Ah. And he's like, I want to be in a Marvel movie. I don't want to be in a Marvel TV show. So that's uh-huh. why he held off.
5: <laughs> Which
4: yeah. He hasn't done it yet. I don't. Has he been in a Marvel thing? I don't think he has. Right? Not my, I, I, Star Wars, but... Uh, he's done Star Wars. That's right. Yeah. I mean, he's doing yeah. all right, but I'm like, oh, yeah, well, yeah. Marvel, put him in
2: something. He'd be great. Well, there's still time there is still time for now yeah and and Mad's Mickelson was another one that they uh approached, but he was uh too busy filming Hannibal
4: so they wanted him for for hmm yeah and and I can certainly see that and yeah. and as much as people say that Chiselius is one of the less interesting villains, I think that whatever juice that character has is because of what Mickelson gives him
2: he's one of those guys right where he just brings. His thing, and then yeah, it automatically stands out a little bit,
4: yeah. I mean, even in indie,
2: right? Like, yeah, yeah, we haven't talked yeah. about
4: um Stellan Scarsgard at all in this one. Uh, I, I believe uh, he has the, the honor of, of uh, getting to show the very first butt in the MC, <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. digitized though it be. <laughs> yeah that'd be kind of funny to get it like a script and you're like oh yeah of course i'm going to be in this i've been in several of these and oh we're filming at stonehenge no less <laughs> you know it's like all right now take off your clothes <laughs> what well, he he gave some interviews like yeah i
4: got real comfortable i was just walking around the house naked and i was like okay i can do this and so he did it that's i was like funny. all right that's acting
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah. i mean hey who, how many people can say they've run around stonehenge naked so
4: I think, I think that, uh, first of all, I like the Selvig character just in general. And I like that he's just kind of, you know, the the further along the MCU gets, the more like uh, every character becomes like a super character. And I like it having just normies.
5: Mm,
2: Yes. That interact with them that are allies. Yeah. 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 I agree. I I I like that too. I hadn't thought about that, but I agree. I, I don't want them to just only be involved with people who can kind of do anything that's right because
4: like even jane they made her into a superhero in the last one right
2: yeah which i remember feeling sort of mixed about like i kind of liked it because i was like all right well what's that like but i feel like it didn't go anywhere
4: i think i think the problem with thor love and thunder is is that you had two really good stories that worked separately in the mm. comics that were intertwined together and then you sprinkle on like a heavy a heaping helping of sort of Tyka ytt energy right uh-huh and and i've i've used this metaphor before but to me what i learned with thor love and thunder it was my concern from the jump when it was announced i was like i think thor ragnarok is probably the exact right amount of Tyka ytt in yep. a movie like this yep and it, it, it's like you have a cup of tea, you put two teaspoons of sugar, it tastes delicious. You put
2: three <laughs> teaspoons of sugar, you have to throw it out. I, you know, and I remember when you first verbalized that, I think it was when the trailer came out. And I remember that as something I had been feeling. But like everyone was such a fan of his that I it almost didn't even come out as a th- something I would say just yet because I was like oh well that's so <laughs> contrary to what everyone feels like maybe I'm wrong or and so when you said it I remember it was such like a release for me like oh so it's not just me <laughs>
4: <laughs> and I think I w- it was borne out because the, the I don't get the sense that that film was particularly beloved
2: yeah yeah.
4: You know, cause, cause I think you needed to go a little darker for that story. I mean, you know, if you're doing de- Jane's death, uh-huh. do it, man. Like really make it something, something tragic, you know, like yeah. g- give, give both of these actors something to play, you know,
2: completely agree. Yeah. Instead
4: it's like Thor's like talking to the hammer, like, Hey hammer, how you doing? Or whatever, you know, like, come on, remember that
2: <laughs> sort of, <laughs> it's, it's amazing how much I do not remember about that movie. And it's so recent. <laughs> He's, he's drinking a beer and
4: he's like, Hey, you want a beer? And he like pours the beer over the hammer.
2: Uh, you know what? Actually, I don't <laughs> think I do remember that, but that feels, <laughs> I can picture it. I can picture it. <laughs> you know, but it's funny because I do like that Thor is loosened up a little bit. Like I was saying, cause it makes sense with all the different oh, uh, real quick yeah,
4: uh, yeah, Right there, real quick. Uh, Thor getting his hand cut off there. Uh, that's if you, in every phase two movie involves somebody having a limb, uh,
2: torn off. Oh, is that like uh, a little good luck empire strikes back? Uh... Ex- that's exactly. Cause
4: Kevin Feige is a big empire strikes back fan. So every phase two movie has something where somebody's hand or limb gets cut off.
5: Hmm.
4: Eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when we, when we come back in the spring, Brian, for our winter soldier commentary, which we're doing. Yeah. Uh, just so you know, we're doing it. Uh, <laughs> you, you can you can keep an eye out for that. Yeah, I wow. do like, by the way, this sequence right here where the only real color is Thor's cape, and it really pops. I think that's that's
2: visually really effective. You know, it's funny because uh, I was reading that the filmmakers went to Iceland. I I think mm-hmm. it was for this stuff. Yeah, for this for this here. And, and I was screwed like, screwed it up. Why? <laughs> yeah, why? Exactly. Exactly. It looks, it's exactly what you said. It looks just throw some dirt on a soundstage and get the volume, and you get the same effect. Yeah,
4: if you're going to Iceland, make it look like friggin' Interstellar, right? Like, yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, I sort of get it. it's like the creeping darkness, but it's it's no. too artificial. It's just murky. But again,
4: yeah, I do like how Thor's cape kind of pops there. No, I agree. Sorry, you were saying something. I, I interrupted you again. I apologize.
2: No, well, I, I I like the Thor. I I I'm completely on board with Thor becoming a bit more comedic. I love yeah. the in this there's that funny moment where he hangs his hammer on that coat rack. Oh, I love it. Which feels <laughs> so in like It's so cute. And it's, it's it's where he's at now. He's still right. kind of regal formal whatever, but he's has these funny sort of moments with the way that he, you know, does stuff. But it's funny how, yeah, he becomes a guy who eventually starts talking to a hammer and pouring beer over it. You know, like I feel like there's somewhere in the middle.
4: Yeah, It's well, the thing the thing is that Chris Hemsworth is able to play a pretty big range. Yeah. Right. I, because between Thor Ragnarok, Infinity War and Endgame, you've got three distinct flavors of Thor that he gets to play.
5: Mm hmm.
4: Right. And he does them all very well. So it's, it's, I kind of like that they're letting him stretch. Right. I mean, that's what keeps him interested in playing him, but I'm also like, you know, I, I think with, with something, with something like with love and thunder, where the world itself starts becoming goofy. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's
4: where you, where you, that's where you risk telling the audience, Oh, we're not taking this seriously. Totally you know like so like having Russell Crowe prancing and mincing around and doing whatever you know like yeah, with that right. comical accent like you know I mean you're just like how do you take that seriously you know
2: yeah <laughs> nice, man that movie went in one ear and out
3: the other
4: I mean and, and it's a shame right yeah yeah like, like I don't know if you remember but but um the 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 end credit scene of that movie sets up brett goldstein as hercules
2: yes i do remember
4: that yeah and that's like okay well is that gonna be a thing you know like (laughs) yeah (laughs) we just i mean you know it feels like that marvel lately is just throwing so much stuff out there like oh and this is coming but well where
2: yeah or or, i mean that is such a it's not connected nearly connected to anything that's going on so it's like you have to be like oh yeah yeah there's You know, like it's not setting up the next film necessarily. It's has all these tendrils now all over the place, which is, I mean, it's just fine, but it's just very different from this first. uh,
4: Yeah. I mean, say what you will about this movie in particular, notwithstanding, there's obviously an acknowledgement that it exists in a post Avengers world, but it also feels of the Thor franchise and it feels self-contained within that. Mm -hmm. And I do wish there was a little bit more of that where like you could just have movies stand on their
3: own.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And then when they need to be called upon to come together as a team, it's like, well, yeah, we don't have to thread that through every single series.
4: Yeah. It's well, you know, I I remember when we watched uh, age of Ultron, I think, I think both of us kind of were generally more positive about that movie on second watch for our commentary track. Mm-hmm. And part of it was kind of what we're talking about with this, where it's like, well, it's just, it's like a snapshot of these characters at this time. Yeah. And it's just nice to revisit that, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that's what makes a lot of these phase two movies, you know, worth revisiting is like, oh, well, it's just, it's this, you know, Hmm. here's one of Loki's many deaths.
3: Yeah. <laughs> he does Very get effective. a few, doesn't he?
2: It's, it's too bad <laughs> it that it doesn't hold, you know what I mean? Like it will. No, I, I don't entirely mean that because I, I enjoy seeing him. Yeah. But uh, it would have meant a lot, you know? Well, I think I, what I like about the, uh, the Loki that
4: we have in the series is that he's explicitly not the Loki who died in uh, Infinity War. Right. Yeah. You know, so so like the the arc, the progression that got him to that moment and gave him kind of a heroic death, like that still stands. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now this yep. this sequence here, uh, they they reenacted in Thor Ragnarok, if you remember, yes. with the, with with Matt Damon playing playing Loki. That's so. Yeah, that was really funny, and and Luke Hemsworth playing playing Thor. <laughs> right. I still remember watching that two thousand and six. So, um, Hamza was, was nine years old at that time, 2016, excuse me, Hamza was nine years old and he turns to me, he goes, Matt Damon. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. (laughs) He was nine years old, you know?
2: You know, I did have a thought and some people might groan, but like it's, I love that Loki sacrificed himself here Mm. however, like Thor is kind of like a character in a video game who has no power bar. Like <laughs> he's going to be okay. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. like he doesn't really ever seem to get hurt or be capable of getting hurt. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, like it would if there had been some sort of tweak, like Superman and kryptonite are like, Oh, if he gets hit 10 times, he's going to die. Like, mm. so part of me was yeah. like, Oh man, did he need to die for that?
4: That's yeah. That's a good point. I I think. And, and yeah, this is, Like what, what is the stamina of an Asgardian?
2: I think that's the, bring back the word murky, but uh, sort of the murky issue with a lot of these Marvel heroes is it's not really understood what their limits are and they don't seem to have limits until, until a fight scene needs to end. Um, and, but you know, it kind of works for the third act of this movie because it's more about distracting Malekith right so it, it, it doesn't right. have to be about limits it's more about stalling
4: I mean that's true but I I think to your point like if you're establishing that like again like in the third one I mean there's just a massacre and like you know half of Asgard is killed mm-hmm. right in the third one and then mm-hmm. the other half of Asgard is killed at the beginning of Infinity War yeah they're mortal so, so what, what is Thor's weakness? Because, you know, he, he, he takes on a few scratches here and there, but like, you know, okay. He's a superhero. He's super heroic. He's super powered, but what, what, what constraints does that exist within?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Is there, I mean, yeah, that's I think generally speaking, a lot of times with the fight scenes in the Marvel movies, that does feel like a little bit of a weakness. It's more like a, a Disney stunt spectacular for like 10 minutes. <laughs> because it's never, there's never a threat that any of them are going to get hurt yeah. and not just from right. a story point, but like they're, they're like I say, they, they seem to have no limits. Like they right. can get punched infinity times and keep going. So yeah. then it's more like the story has to end the fight because it's never going to end otherwise. Right. And I, I kind of wish there was a little more defined limits for some of them. I think it would help. Yeah,
4: I think you, I, I think you need it. I think, you know, just your characters need something to work around, you know? Yeah. Like in in the comics originally, I, I you know I said this during our our commentary for the first film, right? There was Thor had his human alter ego, Doctor Don Blake, mm. and you know he would he would clap his uh, walking stick on the ground and it would turn into Mjolnir and he would turn into Thor. Right. But if he if he uh, lost his connection to the hammer for more than a minute, he would turn back into Don Blake. Hmm. So during the course of like a fight or something. So that's kind of this limitation that's imposed on the character. Right. Right. I'm not saying you need that. I am saying like some, something that, that he has to work within, you know, as opposed to just, he can take as many punches as the, as the script requires him to. Right.
2: Right. You know? And I mean, it does, I, I stand by what I'm saying. I really do wish they would sort of define that stuff, but it does also stand to reason that these movies still work. despite Mm -hmm. not having those sort of things you know like we still find them enjoyable and thrilling and fun and keep showing up for the next one so they've they found that sort of like (laughs) you just go with it That's you know they're they're entertaining to a degree where you just go with it and you're fine
4: well and I think that's the that's the reason that oh by the way so this this guard right here right he's that's Loki Mm. right so that they're setting up that because you see him on Asgard. So, because you wonder, like, how does Odin get replaced? Well, it would have happened here somewhere. Mm-hmm. See, look at the look on his face.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
4: So, it, it. so that, that, that to me says, well, I guess they did have it planned out then. Yeah, yeah. You know, but who knows.
2: What was that uh, other movie I recently? Saying? Oh, Ant-Man 2, where it felt like they were going to kill off. Ant-Man 3? three wow yes (laughs) um right where it felt like they sort of changed changed the ending to i don't remember who
4: yeah the i i think the original ending for that film was going to involve scott and possibly hope being stuck in the quantum realm that's it, and kang kang escapes right and, uh, they changed it to be more of like a happy ending. And there, I don't know the specific reasons behind that, but I, it was a last minute switcheroo and uh, that was not particularly well regarded. And I have to imagine that the reason they did it is because that's what they've done for so long. Right. Is they just kind of, you know, the film gets shot and then, and then in post they'll be like, uh, all right, let's do this, that, and the other thing. Um, and we'll, and we'll fix it, you know.
5: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
4: And you can only do that so many times. Yeah, sure. Before it catches up to you, you know. I mean, I mean, some of these stories about VFX artists just like collapsing from exhaustion. I know. Yeah. Right. I mean, you you picture them like, like Conan the Barbarian, you know, there's the um all the kids that are the do spinning the wheel, you know, <laughs> at the You've seen Conan, right?
2: I haven't, but I can I, I understand what you're saying. At the
4: beginning, it's like all the slave kids have to push this wheel in a circle. Right. And and just one by one they all collapse, and then eventually you have the last one left is Conan,
2: you know? Ah. I should watch that.
4: You you really should watch. I watched that with uh with my kids uh, earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Uh they 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 we watched the first two. We watched Conan and, and Conan the Destroyer, and then I put on the Jason Momoa one, and mm. they, weren't, they weren't on board with that. So. Really? Yeah, so I'm in the minority as in, in terms of liking that one, I suppose.
2: Uh, I, well, going back to what we were saying earlier about how movies look to your kids, you know, modern versus whatever, I wondered if they would possibly connect with it just because it looked like movies they grew up with.
4: I, I think, you know, well, the, the Momoa one is a little bit, G- gruesome you know a little mm. bit gorier and and mm-hmm. i think that was a little bit too much for them mm. interesting um yeah i mean it was like there There was one bit in there where there's a guy who he he doesn't have a nose so he has like a wooden nose that he has strapped to his face you know mm-hmm. and so conan is like trying to get information from him so he pulls off his wooden nose and he like sticks his finger in like his nose hole <laughs> to like torment him he's like you know what i mean yeah 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 And it's like squish, squish, squish. And literally, that was the moment where I think Mikko was like, all right, I think I'm done with this. Like, Uh, it's gross. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, no, I get it. I'm not having fun anymore.
3: (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
4: (laughs) I don't want to play anymore. He's like, he's like token. (laughs) Right.
2: (laughs) By the way, speaking of uh, VFX, I got a call out when that ship arrived and parked right there. And it shows it against uh, the city. I was like, that looks really good. You know, the scope of that, and Mm -hmm. I thought that was really well done. Yeah.
4: Now, at the time this movie came out, uh, the series Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. had just started like a month or so earlier. Okay. Right, because that was fall of 2013, and I remember in the lead-up to, uh, you know, that show premiering, the whole hook was, oh, it's going to be all interconnected with the movies and stuff, which, of course... It turned out to be in very superficial ways, you know, Mm -hmm. but definitely I remember like, you know, the, the, like Thor, the dark world tie in to agents of shield and you're like, oh, wow, it's going to, you know, so it's like the episode of shield right after Thor, the dark world comes out. And it's just like, yeah, they're in London and they got to clean up like after the mess of this fight like that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's not really what we were looking for, you know. Wasn't there a show that was about the cleanup crew? did that ever become uh, a show with Danny Pudi I feel like or maybe it was a pilot yes that was, that was DC that was DC oh okay
4: yeah it was called uh I don't remember what it's called I can look it up though but yeah it was uh it had Alan Tudyk as as like Bruce Wayne's cousin okay oh it's called powerless that's what it was called
2: okay <laughs> it's
4: a funny yeah idea. It it wasn't a bad show, I got to say. I mean, it's not particularly memorable, and it's sort of doing—it's very NBC sitcom, you know. Oh, funny. Okay. You know. You know what I mean? Uh huh. Uh, like I mean, it's sort of like this b- b- blender of all these, like Alan Tudyk, Ron Funches, Danny Pudi, you know. <laughs>
5: um, yeah, sure.
4: Vanessa Hudgens. This feels like sort of, uh, you know, pluck and play from different sitcom ensembles and just throw them together. Hmm. But Alan Tudyk is Van Wayne, huh. and he's like the 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 cousin that Bruce Wayne never acknowledges.
2: <laughs> never acknowledges.
4: Yeah, although apparently, wow, I just looked it up. That guy's a real character from the comics, Van Wayne. Oh, wow! I'll be damned.
2: I remember also thinking the first time I watched this, that this all felt sort of loosey goosey. Mm-hmm, like I this agree. whole third act sort of fight scene. Like I, I remember wanting, I remember bringing it back to the future where I was like, got across the finish line before the lightning bolt hits the thing. Like I wanted something very clear and it just feels like sort of running around with these things that are doing something I don't quite understand. Like yeah, I just I, wanted well, something think... a little clearer and more defined and even someone to just say it like, We've got to set up this thing by over here and before those things line up or this means that like, I feel like that would really go a long way.
4: Well, I mean, fundamentally the, the convergence, we sort of, you know, we have that, the, the, the Basil exposition scene earlier with, with Eric, where he kind of explains what will happen with the convergence, but I, I don't think we particularly care, you know? Yeah. Yeah because because uh, like on a conceptual level we get it but to your point earlier like well thor's gonna stop it and that's it. you know
2: like yeah but i mean even i mean back to the future it was just like you got to get to that thing you've got to cross this by that time and everything will be fine you know like there's just it mm-hmm. seems really like maybe sometimes it's done poorly and then it does sound yeah. like terrible exposition but sometimes it's nice to know like okay like don't like or or even yell out as those those holes the convergence things are getting closer like they're getting closer Yeah, you know like yeah, just I agree with something yeah. to ramp up the tension
4: yeah and and I, I i don't know that it's it's as clear as it could be the idea that you know like as we're jumping from world to world and like maybe there should be more of a spillover happening that would be
5: cool yeah
4: so this is the frost giant planet from the first one, right? So that's the, yep. that's the monster that they fight in that. First yeah. movie. Yeah.
2: But yeah, it's just looking at it now. I mean, it's, it's still kind of exciting because you're just watching people run around, <laughs> but it's, it's just a little more focus. I don't know.
4: Yeah. Well, I, I think what you said earlier is really applicable. I mean, I, I, at the end of the day, you watch the movie and you're like, yeah, it's fine.
2: You know? Yeah. Yeah.
5: Uh,
4: having now you know this is now my second time watching it in a week and second for you like i'm not i'm not like well i hated every minute of that i'm like you know it was another adventure of thor
2: you know totally totally but Uh, like uh we with the convergence thing going back to what i said earlier too but like you know the rebel base is now in range like oh damn mm. like now the opening is there luke's gotta fire the thing into the the exhaust port you know like just super, super clear, I feel like would make me grip my seat because I want to see the thing happen before the thing goes wrong, you know, and this is just kind of stuff. I, I think
4: by way of comparison, right, like Avengers, the first film was able to, s- to establish its stakes in a clear, meaningful way. Totally. You have the alien invasion and then you have the missile that shield launches and Iron Man has to has to stop it because we know what a nuclear missile will do if it hits New York. You know, so totally. it's something we we can understand that. And I think this here right here whatever we're seeing like I don't get it. I don't understand what that means because it's so far outside the plane of my own experience, right?
2: Yeah. But I feel like it's and on like, the cusp because I get it. Like these things, there's like the planets are going to align in a certain way and I want to spill darkness into all of them in a way that can only happen every 5,000 years. I think that's not, I think that's good. Uh, honestly, though, you know what you
4: needed? You needed an equivalent of of like the Death Star briefing.
3: Yeah, exactly. Where, that's exactly like,
4: Yes. Like Odin pulls up a hologram and he's like, this is what, this is the realms as they exist. But like they go like this and then this will happen and we're seeing it.
2: And so if I know what I don't, if I see this happen, it's all over. So as things are getting closer to the image in my mind, I'm like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. This was, yeah, it was the mother's death and this I remember from the first thing and I felt the same thing (laughs) this time. Although I was a little easier on it. As a whole, just like yeah. oh, it's it's fine. It's <laughs> just go around.
4: I mean, I mean, it, well, it it's funny because because we're talking about Thor: Love and Thunder, right? And and again, that's a movie that I felt no desire to revisit, right? But I remember it ended with Thor will return, mm-hmm. and I was like, well, good. I'm glad.
2: And that and, says a lot. I I feel yeah. the same way because I like Thor. So like I'm exactly. I'm always going to show up because I want to see what Thor's up to, and I just.
4: Well, and, and this here, right. The, the final, first of all, like they've made it damn near impossible to see what's going on. I know. We don't, we don't understand what the ether does, what it's doing, what it does to Malekith. Right. Mm -hmm. So as a, as a MacGuffin, it's kind of meaningless. Yeah. And then, and then I think this idea of Thor using those, those uh, Geist bombs, as you call them.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Thanks, man.
4: Right. (laughs) Right? Because, I mean, th- that's in essence what that is, even though that's like Selvig's device, but it's doing the same thing. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, I think it's cool, but I think they needed to set it up earlier so that we understand what's going on.
2: Totally. Totally, totally. Yep.
4: It's weird. Yeah, It's just, I like, again, th- this situation right here doesn't mean anything. And, and this is where you tie it into something with his mother, mm-hmm. something. Does he even mention it? No,
2: he doesn't. Wow.
4: Yeah. Like, even if it's something like, you know, how his his mom was the witch and she used magic and maybe he uses his mother's magic. Totally. Totally. To defeat him, right?
2: Yep. Yep.
4: Like, that's... You have some scene earlier where, like, it's just him kind of bullshitting with his mom and she does some little thing and he's like, how do you do that? And she's like, Mm. I... You know how much time I spent in your when you were a boy trying to teach you? You 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 just wanted to play on horses with your father or something like that. And then you tie it back in, you realize he did learn what she was trying to teach him.
2: Zachy, you are like, I'm feeling it, man. <laughs> like I'm feeling stuff.
3: <laughs> yes. Yeah, I don't That's know. That's all I ask.
2: <laughs> it's not even that complicated. Like it's just little, little scenes, little moments. You could do that in reshoots.
4: Uh Like even, even, you know, earlier, earlier in the film with Loki, you have it like, like, you know, like the fact that Loki knows his mother's magic and Thor be like, man, like, he's like jealous that that Uh Loki learned it and he didn't, you know, and that's something that, you know, I don't know.
2: I, I am completely on board with this. By the way, I do like that moment. I have to call that as much as uh, nitpicking as I'm doing with Jane being willing to throw herself on top of Thor as that ship's falling. (laughs) That's good. I like that. That's, that's what I need. I need to, to understand their connection.
4: Oh, I'd throw myself on Chris Hemsworth uh, to <laughs> keep the ship from falling on top of him, too. Let's be honest. Come on.
2: <laughs> we all would.
5: <laughs> Admit it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and the ships are safe. The See, point. I wish that we'd cut back
4: to Thor and he'd be like, and that's the end of that chapter. And then he like... <laughs> Flips his cape over his shoulder. Like, See, and that's what I'm missing. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Don Payne wrote it, right? We could have had that. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Some... Did he do that episode? <laughs> that would be funny if he did. Yeah. maybe, maybe the maybe that maybe chapter. He did. Homer to the max. I think that's that episode, right?
5: Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
4: oh, that's a Schwarzwelder episode. Okay. <laughs> of course it is. Cause of course. Some of those best episodes are by him. So the original ending of the film would have been Jane breaking up with Thor.
5: Mm-hmm. Okay.
4: And and that has been shot. I think you can see it online, like that footage.
2: Okay. Where
4: where Thor is on Earth recovering, and Jane is like, I don't think this is going to work. hmm And they decided to snip that entirely.
5: And um, just I don't have know him where...
2: leaving her hanging again? <laughs>
4: Yeah, like, and and considering that when we jump in on the third one, they're broken up anyway. Yeah, right. So it's almost like Taika Waititi just took that as the version. Which, so I mean, that probably would have been better, right?
2: I think so. I mean, if you're going to go with the whole empire thing, also, you know, like leaving it in a place that I don't, that I want to be eventually satisfied in the next film. Um, I kind of felt bad for her there. Her friends, like, oh, it's happened again, and she's still yeah waiting on him.
4: So now to the question of whether this as written was mm. Odin or Loki. Mm-hmm. That's right. Th- I think that's what you were asking earlier, right? Yeah. And, and I, I don't know, but the one thing that makes me say it was Loki is where Thor offers him the hammer and he's like, no, it's your <sighs> hammer, right? Because that's good. He can't. Because Odin can hold the hammer, but Thor yep. can't. But Loki, but Loki can't, I mean.
2: That's good. And there's that look
4: on his face when he says Loki died with honor, where he's kind of like happy. You know? <laughs> so yeah. I don't know, you know? See, right here, he's about to offer it to him. And yeah. he's like, it's yours. <laughs>
2: right? I'm watching it a little differently now. Like studying the face. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> <When> you...
4: <laughs> so I don't know. I genuinely don't know. I think it works either way, though. I mean... See, I I think that obviously there's a whole story about Loki subduing Odin and taking his place. And and they just gloss over that in the next, like, completely. They don't even address it, really, how it happened,
3: Um, which is unfortunate.
5: Yeah.
2: You know, I I was thinking about his uh, metal eye patch thing. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, that is like really locking that in. Like you don't you don't get to take that out. Like I was just thinking about the the health implications of that last night. <laughs> you know, with a with a, a regular one, you can kind of take it on and off and tend to it as you need. But yeah, not that well.
4: Yeah, that's a good anyway. point. <laughs> so Alan Taylor, but he he's like. This is the worst experience of my life. I'm going to go direct my next movie. Hopefully it won't be as bad as this. And then he did Terminator Genesis, and yeah, made him long for the days of, of Thor, the dark world.
2: Yeah. I, you know, I've been meaning to go back to those, the Terminator sequels. I, Whew. I've only seen them once. I've never been too happy about them, but I, I kind of want to go back with a little. Well, Brian, I suspect and... that, um, I
4: suspect we'll end up commenting on them, right. At some point. I'd love it. Yeah. F- feels inevitable, you know, Hmm. as thanos might say
2: um so now this for a while was the one of the shortest marvel films right
4: yeah I although know. i think now uh the, the marvels holds that distinction i think yep that's what i hear it, it's a cool 105 minutes which i gotta be honest brian kind of makes me happy <laughs> sign me
2: up like i <laughs> i you know i don't know a lot about it um i know people have their opinions but i just want to romp i want to have fun I love that it sounds breezy. I I hope I enjoy it.
4: Yeah. And and the fact that it's not going to be, you know, a three-hour endurance test is is, uh, soundly appealing to me.
2: Yeah. You know, it's funny. I just visited my folks and we watched Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, which is like two Mm -hmm. hours and. 30 minutes or something. And then we watch mm-hmm. uh, Indiana Jones, which is like two hours and 40 minutes. And then mm-hmm. Gran Turismo, which is like two hours and 20 minutes. It's like, wow, you know, you're real endurance tests. Yeah.
4: Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, I, I, I think certainly Indy, I know you and I discussed that. I, I think you cut 20 minutes out of that movie. It would probably be a tighter, better film.
2: I think so. Yeah.
3: You know,
4: uh, and I say that as someone who liked it.
3: Uh huh.
2: Same.
4: This I, I wanted to mention. Th- this whole title sequence, I actually really like it. I find it very sort of captivating. You know the the way in which they did it, and and I look at it, and I'm like, how'd they do that? Yeah, yeah, I like it. It's like a, a, and I guess nowadays you could just get like an iPhone filter that would do all that stuff
2: <laughs> yeah, for you. Probably, yeah. yeah.
4: Oh, so this all, by the way, this was uh, James Gunn wrote and directed this whole sequence here. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh Alan Taylor was
2: quite dismissive of it. Yeah, what's that about? He he quote said quote very happy to not take responsibility for the mid credits scene. <laughs> right. But really I'm harsh. like, I don't
4: know what's wrong with it. what's wrong with it.
2: Yeah. i, <laughs> I I'm, do you have any idea why
4: he felt that way? I think he just had a really bad experience and he was just wanted to be done with it.
2: Hmm. I guess he apologized to Gunn about it.
4: I think he should, because I think it's a I shitty thing to do. say.
2: I mean, if he's just like, I'm done, they're setting up stuff. Maybe if part of his issue was that they they want to set up all this stuff, I, I want to spend more time on the actual story at hand. And then he's like, what is this? I have nothing to do with this. I just wanted to tell my Thor story. That I can kind of understand. But the quote that right. I see here is so dismissive of the work done by Gunn. So Yeah, very yeah, personal. exactly.
5: Yeah.
4: By the way, the, I you can kind of see behind... The collector there i think there's like a cocoon which was meant to be or there it is right there actually you see, it? uh, it's like a big cocoon that in looks like the comic book cocoon that adam warlock is born out of right there, mm. right, there right, right there and um i think they put that in there as like oh because they want to use adam warlock at some point right but this mm-hmm. is like way long ago but then obviously they just did something entirely different yeah which, again, th- there was a lot of that in these early phases. You know, I mentioned to you before that, you know, in the first film in Odin's uh, trophy room, you see the Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah. And, and they just put that in there as like a whatever. Oh, maybe we'll use it later. And then they had to account for it. So in the third one, you have Hella being like, oh, no, that's fake.
2: Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. You know. Oh, there's uh, In Memory of Don Payne in the credits.
4: Yeah, such a you know it it it, it he he died uh, very young, you know. Yeah, uh, forty eight. I, ooh, I mean that's uh, yeah. He 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 had some kind of cancer. Yeah. Uh, oh, bone. Oh my god, bone cancer. Ugh. Ugh.
2: Well, his work lives on. Yeah,
4: well, and and I think you know the ten, with ten years of hindsight. The flaws in this film remain, no uh-huh. doubt, but it, it is easier to be a little bit softer in our in our view of
2: it. Yeah, viewing it as an episode of a TV show we're watching, it's it, it's, not a, it's not a bad episode.
4: Yeah, you know, as I'm talking to you, I'm in I'm in my comic book room, and I have on my shelf fifteen volumes of Thor comics. Wow, from 1971 to six. and I was thinking about how you know occasionally uh, I'm just like you yeah, know I feel like reading a Thor comic and I'll just pull a book off my shelf, and I'll just flip to an issue of Thor, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what this movie is like where it's like you know right I just I just uh, feel like uh, reading issue an issue of Thor and maybe it's not the best issue but it is an issue
2: right and it and it stars my friend Thor. I mean, I'm finding that with uh, revisiting these Marvel movies that I didn't feel a lot for when they first came out. Um, I, like I said, I mean, I, I don't want to backtrack. I still stand by our, our thoughts, on, our notes on this, yeah. but uh, it's, it's not. A, it's fine.
4: Yeah. I, I mean, from the time it came out to now, I mean, I'm just doing the math and including this time with you, I've seen it a total of five oh. times, right? Oh, wow. So I saw it twice in the theater. I watched the press screening and then I took my boys. This is actually, you know, this was Miku's very first Marvel movie in the theater. Oh, wow. And he would have been like four. <laughs> He's maybe a little young. I don't know.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I went at five. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's a big hit that age. Maybe that's a lot. But uh, yeah.
4: Yeah, he was like four going on five, and and I his his clearest. Th- his, I remember his memory was it had Captain America in it. He just remembered. The,
2: you know, <laughs> the <fun>.
4: cameo. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I saw it with them, and then I saw it. You know, a few years ago when Infinity War came out, we did like a rewatch of the, the whole MCU leading up to to Infinity War, mm-hmm. right? And then twice in this past week for in the lead up to this right <laughs> i hadn't even thought about it that i've seen it twice now this week <laughs> <laughs> so, so you, in the past week you've watched it twice as many times of you as you've ever seen it. yes it, right and and yeah i i think i think honestly that's the fun of it because i don't know the next time i'll revisit it but i know that you know we'll have another commentary coming up at some point and I'll watch whatever that thing is that
2: I haven't seen a ton of. Mm -hmm. This is a fun experience though. Like it's very specific for you and I, like getting to kind of kick back and talk through the film as well. Like I can, I find that sometimes it it reveals flaws in the film, but also sometimes it makes me forgive a lot of things,
3: Mm -hmm.
2: you know? And so it's just sort of a unique viewing experience getting to do this. And I, I kind of appreciate it.
4: Yeah, well, I and I always enjoy being able to do this because, like, like when I first pitched this to you, I was like, well, you know, uh, you know, uh, I suspect we'll end up sort of workshopping some of this stuff, which we ended up doing Uh anyway. (laughs) Right? I do, I do remember. Like now, it's become much more of a thing. Like, oh, you have to wait for the credits, uh, for after credits, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, and and back then there was still like people would just leave
2: yeah yeah well it's funny now seeing people conditioned to stay for anything just assuming there will be something there even if you know there isn't
4: yeah yeah i mean people you know staying
2: through the credits of of like oppenheimer and stuff exactly i mean yeah yeah i mean not just marvel films like anything like i don't know maybe there's gonna be something there
4: yeah and and i'm reaching the point where i kind of i like when i Hear that there isn't a post-credit scene. I'm happy. Oh, really? Because <laughs> because that's like ten minutes
2: I can save. You know, that's funny. I always check. There's an app called After Credits, and yes. as soon as credits well, like, roll, I I check it out and see if there's something there or not.
4: Oh, so so this right here, by the way, um, the, the at the the exterior when um when she kisses Thor, Natalie Portman was not available.
3: What?
4: So it's, it's uh, Chris Hemsworth's wife. It's Elsa Pataki. Really? Yeah. So the, the, you'll see the, the exterior shot when she kisses him.
2: It's funny that they had this, like the, that's Elsa Pataki. Wow. How funny. You can kind of tell, to be honest. Yeah. I recognize her,
4: her distinctive cheekbones. Yeah. (laughs) I think, I can't remember who who it was. It was either you or Sean who was like, you know, if like all of humanity died out and it was up to Chris Hemsworth and Elsa Pataki to repopulate the earth, I would be okay with that.
3: (laughs) That's hilarious. (laughs) I don't
4: remember that. (laughs) I think that might've been Sean.
2: That's really funny. Uh,
4: But there we go. Thor, the dark world uh, has gone dark. So uh, that uh, brings down the curtain on this commentary track.
2: I had a great time. I had
4: a great time doing this. Uh, it, it it was everything I hoped it would be and more. So what else yeah. can you ask for? Yeah. Uh, but we will be back soon with our next regular show where we will be talking through the latest Marvel film. Uh, let's see what we have to say about that one. Uh, and of course, you know, we'll be we'll be back uh, with another commentary track. What is that going to be? I'm not going to tell you. You just got to <laughs> find out. That's what makes this whole journey fun. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, if you have any thoughts for us about this track, please email us at moviefilmpodcast at gmail.com. You can also hit like on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash moviefilmpodcast and message us there. Uh, if you uh, like what we're doing, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review, leave a star rating. Every little bit helps. And uh, with that, on behalf of my partner, Brian Hall, my name is Aki Hassan. This has been our movie film commentary for Thor The Dark World. Thank you, everyone, for
3: listening. We'll catch you next time.